you got a you have a dog, right? I have a dog. Uh, you ever uh, seen its penis? Sure. Describe it. Uh, it's it's a dog penis. They look they pretty much look all the same, you know. Seen one, you've seen them all. It's a it's a little red tube. If 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 I if someone not even me if if just someone came up to you, uh, some sort of terrorist of sorts, and they put a gun to your head, and they said you have to um, you have to suck your dog's dick or else I'm gonna kill you. Would you do it? No, I think I I mean like I'm already death prone to begin with, so it's like that's an easy that's an easy choice for me. I don't want to suck my dog's dick. No way. I'd rather die. I'd that's rather fair. Do that. That's understandable. That, to me, that's easy. You know easy what, choice like uh yeah i'm not gonna i'm not i don't know who this person is if this this anton chigur of dog dick <laughs> yeah yeah Flipping he, a coin. he goes and he says what's the most you ever sucked your dog's dick <laughs> suck it yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah so yeah the that's no country for old dogs no no sucking for dogs' dicks. Yeah, no sucking for dogs' dicks. The 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 Cohen brothers classic. They they were in their dick sucking, the their dog dick sucking period. You know, mm-hmm. you know they actually. It's funny, like only like twenty miles down the road from when they were filming No Country for or No Dogs Dick for sucking dogs' dick. Uh, they were actually right down the road uh, filming. Um, there will be uh, there will be dog penis. Welcome back to Explaining to Austin, everybody. I'm your uh, host, uh, Peyton, uh, is definitely, Peyton, and then in quotation marks, is definitely now on a list, uh, Brock, uh, and welcome back to the show. Uh, that, that was a joke because of the topic of last week's episode, and then what I did after last week's episode. Um which we'll talk about in just a second. Then, of course, as not always, uh, Austin's not here. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I just texted him this morning and asked if he could record tonight because uh, we we're not good at planning ahead. So we always just like record on Tuesday or later. And so I'm always just like Tuesday morning. Uh, you can record the podcast today, right? And he's like, Oh no, I can't. And I'm like, Okay. I didn't ask why, so I don't know what he's up to. But instead, we have uh, guest of the show before i think this is your third time third time co-hosting number three uh three strikes you're out we've Mm -hmm. got friend of the show alex from house of decline yay i am glad to be here thank you for having me on having some light conversation today light easy breezy conversation uh how, how how have you been doing friend I've been doing good. I've uh, just I've been doing a lot of comics. That's, I, uh... That is true. I wanted to bring that up. Some of you, the first time now, there's been it's been a series of events uh, since being on the show. The first time you were here uh, on the show, that you still had a personal Twitter account. 
and then you moved after being banned on that account moved to the house of decline count that is the name of your podcast but then also now kind of the name you do these comics under but then also when we first uh became acquainted and at least you know the first little bit when we talked uh your comics were much more uh topical topically driven some could call them political comics or uh political oh, cartoons yeah. satire they were defi- oh yeah they were absolutely political cartoons and, and i i don't i don't know how i mean i do i've heard you speak somewhat on it so i somewhat know but i i will say i still certainly i enjoyed those then and i i i still enjoy them now and thought that they had you know merit and quality to them uh but that. but but now you've kind of shifted your your artistic you've shifted into a new artistic era a new phase just like picasso had his had his <laughs> yeah, phases yeah. you've shifted kind of into uh what i'd like to call um the genitals phase yeah, one I'm could say i'm in my tubular red penis penis era my baguette penis phase yeah uh, so so could you talk about that what a bunch of little men yeah you're drawing well, a, a I'll bunch of little you. blobby guys and they all have shenanigans and penises and it's they they go through all sorts of hijinks talk about that i well okay what that comes from so the reason why i first started doing political comics is just because i was on twitter one day and michael tracy i don't know said something shitty Mm -hmm. and i did a comic about how he's shitty Mm -hmm. and then i did a comic about how joe rogan was shitty and mirroring like the basic line about them like Michael Tracy is a nerd who wants his nuggies microwaved by AOC. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Joe Rogan is a credulous uh, uh, spokesman for nonsense. Sentient meat mountain. Yeah. M- mound of sentient ground beef. Yeah. Flesh golem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, flesh golem Joe Rogan. Uh, you put any the last thing that somebody said is whatever he believes not right. unlike the golem you just put a piece of paper in his mouth and then he destroys uh, a bunch of czech race right. uh, anti-semites right Can, let's but cool it on the jewish far. let's cool it on the jewish folklore we don't want to turn away uh too many potential <laughs> hey what are you talking about are anti-semites listening to this podcast listen here's the story of the golem in full i know what the, i know what right golems now. are Okay. I've seen the film, yeah, or at least a v- version of it. There's probably more than one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a big fan. You know, one could say, where would uh, modern Batman villain Clayface be without the Golem? He was. He was the archetype. He was the. He was the OG. Yeah, the in OG many ways. Guy. Yep, love you a know, Golem. What people ask, what do you do if you have a clay son? And the only answer is love him. Right. We love a golem. Anyway, sorry to... Um, so, no, no, so you did those so, comics. So I did these political comics, and I was liking them at first. And I'm, here's where I realize, you know, I'm not doing these because I have any stake in political commentary. I'm doing these for attention on Twitter. That's what I realized. It's like, eh, the reason why there's not, there's not enough bite to this. There's not enough... Mm. material there's not enough seething hatred for the enemy you know i mm. feel that's what makes a, a really good political comic and i just don't have that in me you, so the stuff you, would come off as sort of like half measures you would you say that you were chasing you were chasing the clout i was chasing the clout i'm being a clout chaser. and you know i was doing shit like putting stuff under the replies of the chapo guys hoping to get some stuff and right. the thing is it worked man you can get a lot of followers doing that shit. yeah 
that's what the fucking that's what the stupid falcon refinance guy realized he got 23,000 followers by just replying falcon stuff under under things but then you know eventually you drop the gimmick account facade and you're revealed to be a crazy person i have no idea what you're talking about first off are you is are you saying falcon okay so there was this account that came up about like three years ago called falcon refinance okay so you are saying falcon and you're just saying yeah no falcon refinance that is the thing he's the uae the united arab emirates falcon refinance and underneath the replies of liz brunig okay uh the chapos uh he would uh post you know pictures of people are dead tired of being without falcons and you know what you can do for a falcon is have the velocity like really okay uh, so like a bit a bit about needing birds yeah kind of like the response like an opposite of the birds aren't real thing sort of yeah but um what's funny about the arc of this account and any other gimmick account is eventually uh this person started one uh you know selling t-shirts of their falcon rebit which is funny which is a very funny thing to do but also, like, getting really angry at the Chapas, you know, getting very, like, dropping their gimmick account facade to, to like, say real stuff about the state of left politics. Oh, wow. And it just... Make you know, a separate it, account for that. Yeah. You don't want to pollute your Falcon bit. Yeah. That, so, but, so I see myself in that being, being a weird reply guy, you know, turning into that. But also, have you seen this comic, Bread Pains? No, I don't or, think so. So there's this leftist comic, Bread Pains, and its its mission statement is to be the leftist answer to Nazi comic artist Stone Toss. Oh, okay. And See, I thought the left's answer to that was just when people take the Stone Toss comics and put, like, nonsensical captions. Yeah. And I like that. I like when they do that. That's funny. That's, oh, man. Right-wing cartoonists. There's that one guy, G Prime. You know that guy? Who has like the very elaborate artwork of the big-eyed children being traumatized by critical race? Theory. Right, right. I knew. I know what you're talking about. I yes. love that guy. He's it's so like the kid crying guy. in the car. Yes. Like he's like, oh, mommy, they told me white people are the devil at school. Yeah. They he's told me white people guy. were made by a Yakub, the evil <laughs> sorcerer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and but it's such a window into this guy's soul. It's such. It speaks to this greater emotional truth. That's how they really feel. They feel like mm. little crying children being scolded every day. That's their image they have of themselves. Right. Which is you know why I like that. In in that sense, I find that artwork to be. Yeah, all of these right-wing cartoonists are much more anthropologically interesting than, right. you know, left-wing cartoonists. I really like, they're very, especially, you know, I, I, we talked about Austin and I have discussed Ben Garrison on the oh, show. And course. his stuff he's is the, just like, I feel like it almost borders on like folk art and how just bizarre it is. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it, it is truly a singular mind, you know, vision. Because like, even where he like, you know, he, obviously he's speaking on like the culture war topics of the right. But like the way he specifically interprets it is just like this weirdly like thing all his own. Yeah. And a set of very idiosyncratic preoccupations 
like huge asses right yeah very weird (laughs) sexual stuff yeah and very like very strange and off puns in order to Mm -hmm. and labels and labels uh so with that one you're saying the left-wing one called bread whatever bread pains that's you know whoever this person is you know good on you i'm sure your heart's in the right place but they're just god awful and that kind of made you self-reflective in a way very very it's like am i trying to be this person you know this is this what i want do i want claps you know do right. i do i am i am i just doing and i i'm sure i'm sure this person is fine uh the, the comics also like have the, there's this hilarious lack of craft to them mm-hmm. whereas like stone toss and g prime are clearly uh, capable of art you right. know just on a technical level not not praising the quality of their material but this person is amateur and has not improved for a while. Mm. So it's very funny to see this this creatively stagnant person get traction. Um, not, I mean, a lot of people hate on this person as well. And I shouldn't contribute to that. But I but, understand what you're saying where you felt a little self-reflective. So how did that then take you to this this era of your little guys with penises it was that and it was also the grift shop guy you know grift shop that account i don't think so yeah that person is he does like left-wing memes and sells shirts with left-wing mm. memes and okay. I, like what's the end game for like doing these political cartoons is i'm showing selling shirts with left-wing memes on them i'm selling shirts with fucking sopranos memes on them um, gabagool marks right you know so i think but, that's an actual account right there's but, an actual account called uh, gabagool marks. but what specifically inspired like compelled you like for these little guys oh, like as these like two little guys yeah like one i don't where i think i think what more than anything else i think the clear uh the clear precedent is like keith herring okay so you know Keith Haring, the artist, very popular in the '90s, uh, came up in the '80s, died of AIDS. Oh yeah, I the the little like stick figure. Yeah, the little guys. stick figure guys. Right. I like those guys, and uh, there's a lot of queer content in those guys. You of know, course, they're, they always have their dicks out, and they're doing you know weird sexual stuff. But because they're such abstracted characters, it doesn't register as something you know uh, lurid. It registers as something sort of optimistic and happy. It's like being dick out, but you have your right. dick out, but it's not a scary penis, you know. Right. In real life, when someone has their dick out, oh no, oh um, no, this is suddenly the situation has gotten a lot more real. Right. But uh, in in these comics, you know, it, this exists in a universe where there is no, there are there are no frightening penises. Well, sometimes there are frightening penises. Sure. Well, that's I I for one certainly been enjoying your little men and their penis adventures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would encourage the listeners if they haven't to check out either the website, right, House of Decline, or your Twitter, House of Decline. Yeah. You can find the little men comics on Twitter right now. My 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 good buddy and uh, co-host on the House of Decline podcast, Stephen, is currently uh, manufacturing our website so that all the stuff is up, and that'll be up soon. Cool. And you'll be able to check that out on House of Decline dot com slash comic slash gay. Very the, nice. The the tentative title for these guys is Gay Comics. Oh, I, that's good. That's a good gay uh, comics. Good brand. Good branding. I think there would like there were several nineteen magazines from like the golden age of comics in the nineteen thirties. That, that meant like gay happy, comics. Yeah, that meant happy. Yeah. 
where but it was about housewives you know slipping on some roller skates right and you know a funny a funny animal and right. it tries to run a circus and it goes awry and look where we are it's yeah. 60 years later and now we have furries because of that exactly all i those... mean hell i love those bastards those furry bastards retweet my twit all the time oh yeah they, they furries, love cartoons furries like your stuff furries uh, well i talked about it on the podcast there was much to my chagrin i i uh, one of my comics was liked by the set of uh, rick and morty incest pedophilia fan art oh boy there were the, so i discovered this i discovered this faction of twitter a bunch of them got a hold of one of my comics they were like hey i like this stuff this is yeah <laughs> but th- it's because they like cartoons not because they sense any i i hope that made Ugh. me feel very self-conscious is what do these people see in me right but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna block them. You know, I want their likes. I want sure. their retweets. Get it out to your whole pedophile community. I'll, tell, I'll, tell them about. It. I'll say as someone who has very minimal to no drawing skills, or at least I feel like I wish I could. I I like to like draw stuff, and I wish I could draw. I feel like none of it actually looks as good as I would like it to, or it it, it still looks very amateurish. As someone who wishes they could draw and stuff like that, I certainly am. Uh, envious of your seemingly uh you know how how especially with these recent ones they're they're very simple but yet very uh well drawn and 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 nice to look at i appreciate it thank you thank you i i love i realized sometimes you just got to find an instrument that you really like working with right for a while the political cartoons i was doing with micron pens Mm. um which i don't know to me it's sort of like uh, chipping away at a rock wall with a, a pickaxe using a micron pen when you're drawing something. But now I'm using this brush. Oh, really? I'm a huge fan, a huge fan of brushes. I just assumed it was all digital. I had no clue you were actually physically doing all this. Oh, yeah, I got to do it physically. It's very interesting. Gotta do it. so I then, mean, just because I'm a Luddite. So then you just scan it in or something? Just scan that shit in. Sometimes oh. you edit it a little digitally. That's very interesting. But, uh, have you ever considered trying to do any sort of animation? Yeah, animation's been in the back of my head. I would, I would enjoy to see these little gay penis men doing an animated little twenty-second clips. I'll tell you, I'll tell you also, I'll tell you also one thing that sort of inspired this is like I saw Smiling Friends. Oh yeah, I, that's the hit sensation right now. I mean, I've the seen it too, and I very much enjoyed it, as I'm sure you did as well. Yeah. Uh, it was like that scene, you know that scene in The Simpsons where Mother Simpson sees Joe Namath's sideburns and she has like this psychedelic revelation? So that that's how you felt about Smiling. I watched Smiling Friends and like it, the camera started spinning around me and I was like, this is a whole new paradigm of shit. Right. Well, I like the tone of this, you know. I, I Recently I have been very tempted, and I mean I've enjoyed animation and comics and stuff for like, you know, a long time, but... Recently, I've been very felt very tempted to want to try to, uh, I you know, because I they make really even like the cheapest ones on like Amazon of like you know the drawing pads you can connect to your computer are like you know thirty dollars or something, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're not amazing, but it's something I've been very tempted to try to get better at drawing and attempt some sort of animation because. You know, I have all these scripts that I've worked on and written, you know, with the goal, hopefully, one day to 
you know, have some sort of writing thing for film or TV. And, you know, there's something about the, 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 the medium of animation where, you know, even if it's just a little clip, just making something on your own, you know, and you really don't need anyone else besides yourself, uh, you know, as opposed to even a short film where it, it's a hell of a lot of, uh, you know, effort and, and, you know, it takes a lot of scheduling and, you know, mm-hmm. more people than you, than most people would realize. So something is very tempting to me about just like, oh, just animating something, you know, uh, or, you know, making your own little cartoon or animation. Absolutely. That's... Look at Don Hertzfeld, you know, the rejected guy. Right. The, the, he does stick figures and he does moving, brilliant pieces. Right. So... I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. I have an I, I have an idea, but again, I'm just worried that my drawing isn't like. I feel like I I feel like when I draw stuff, it's always like, it. This is simple, and it. Sh- I feel like it should work, and like this thing that's popular has you know characters that are simple in it, but yeah. this just doesn't look like as good as that for some reason. It You've, doesn't. You you being you being self conscious. Listen, you just gotta draw. Two eyes and a mouth, and anyone will sympathize with it. That's the trick. That's true. That's the I guess. trick with drawing. Two dots and a line, and people are like, oh, "That's me." Yeah. Well, maybe maybe I'll have to give it a shot, and I hope maybe you consider doing that because I would again love to see even more from these from your from your little guys. <laughs> great clip of spielberg talking about animation and how he was incredibly inspired by walt disney and he believes that all directors should at first be animators Hmm. because an animator has to have the image in their head they have to have that shot fully planned out right that's that's Uh, a good i that's a good uh i i definitely understand where that uh sentiment's coming from that definitely makes sense where yeah i mean you're basically having to you know film everything in your mind if you're an animator mm-hmm. as opposed to you know just having a camera and saying oh that looks good i guess we'll do that mm-hmm. um yeah i mean spielberg did he direct or was he just executive producer on american tale he was involved Five somehow Volt? yeah he was involved with five Volt. there's something because that's amblin uh yeah was it amblin plus don bluth Maybe, maybe that's what it was, and Spielberg just like wrote or helped produce or something. Yeah, that that's very that's very funny to me because you know Mickey Mouse historically anti-Semitic mouse. That's true. and then we have a little Jewish mouse. You have a little Jew mouse, which yeah. is I think there was also some kerfuffle with the Fievel people and Art Spiegelman, the the writer of the now banned mouse. Oh really? Because it's like a, yeah. a a little Jewish mouse. He's like, hey, that's yeah. my thing. Stole my idea, comparing Jew to mice. It's like, and then they did it again in *Inglorious Bastards*. Well, I feel like that's sort of a trope, and that's the whole thing. Is like they flipped it on the head, right? Yeah, that's that's what they did. Uh, they did. But who wouldn't want to be a mouse? We're cute. I mean, Feifel's barely recognizable as a mouse, so he's kind of just like a furry little. He's not as like mouse looking as something like you know, like the the mice in Art Spiegelman's mouse are like very, like. They're like they're cla- They're like an angular like they're like almost like a, a, a something you'd see on like a, a rat poison yeah. box. I have a well. I have my joke about a furry reading mouse and being increasingly disappointed. 
Yeah. Well, I, wasn't the whole reason they partially like justified justifi- justified banning it in schools were like, oh, they get naked in the scene where they go to the gas chamber. Yeah. And it's is. like, <laughs> yeah, that's not a, it's not a sexy book. I, I hate when I get turned on at a gas chamber uh, I, depiction. Hey, you know. I feel like American Tale was a very strange movie. I barely remember it. I feel like uh, it was odd, though. It was the character of Don Bluth movies. Right, all of those Secret are strange. Nim. They're so strange because they're even more saccharine than Disney movies. But also then they have, like, weirdly dark elements. Yes, that's L- also, yeah. Like uh, the the dinosaur, We're Back a Dinosaur movie or whatever it's called. It's like, there's an evil doctor man, and he's all scary, but then there's also, like, goofy dinosaur voiced by John Goodman. Yeah. Or, so, yeah, these very tonally weird movies. Have you seen his movie, A Troll in Central Park? No, it's supposed to be one of the worst movies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just pure, like, baby shit. Yeah. <laughs> it is. All I remember is this strange Saturday Night Live sketch where Andrew, where Alec Baldwin, the murderer Alec Baldwin... <laughs> Famous murderer. Famous murderer Alec Baldwin is playing Charles Nelson Riley. It's an Inside the Actors Studio sketch. Uh-huh. With Will Ferrell as James Lipton. So he says, I played King Lord in a Troll in Central Park. I played King Lord. So that's all I know about a Troll hmm. in Central Park. For some reason, that one Saturday Night Live sketch hmm. sticks out in my head. It's pretty funny. The bit is that James Lipton says, Your King Lord is the greatest thing. It is like God's eyes gazing down upon you. He's very <laughs> effusive in his praise that, about these terrible rules. Um, the I was speaking of Alec Baldwin. I was re- I've wa- I've almost finished. I'm in the last season. I wa- watched through Thirty Rock. Such a good show. It's very funny. Very good. Uh, but I thought it was very funny because there's a couple episodes that feature uh, Alec Baldwin together with Matthew Broderick. And I was just thinking now how they're both now uh, have killed a person. Yeah. Matthew Broderick plays Cooter Berger. And, yeah. you know, he recovered from that. Uh, yeah. And they're in the Bush administration, and Laura Bush also famously killed a guy. As did Well, Dick Cheney didn't kill a guy, but, well, he killed he a lot of people. Guy. But he pers- personally, he only shot a person. Personally, I could, be- I could believe Dick Cheney has personally killed a person. N- none that we know of. Yeah personally but i could believe it is what i'm saying i did i i instead of what instead of bill clinton saying i did not have sex with that woman it's dick cheney saying i did not kill a person (laughs) put that on a t-shirt huh i did not there you go that's see that's that's what have that's what i would have descended into branding i would have become leftist meme guy i'm gonna make a uh explaining to austin t-shirts and sell them uh not online anywhere only at a table on the corner uh in hollywood <laughs> outside the chinese theater where it's yeah. all just like tourists and pissed on sidewalks and people in unlicensed character costumes i'm gonna sell shirts for this podcast that no one listens to you should have some epic leftist epic leftist sayings like uh the third international is gabagool ha. good one or like Tony Soprano, more like Tony Communist. Hey, I'm 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 uh, I'm killing the rich over here. I'm I'm I woke up this morning and I got a gun, and I drove on the highway. That's the Sopranos. I've never I've seen the like the pilot, so hey, that's Tony, all I we're know. We're the proletariat. 
or something. I, all I know is he gets up in the morning and gets a gun, and he's in the car on the freeway. He goes to New Jersey. That's all you need to know. That's what the entire show's about. I know. I saw the the uh, Super Bowl commercials, so I know that. That <laughs> the kids grow up fun. That there, the children are apparently still alive. Yeah, it it really is one of the best shows. I I resisted watching it until like two years ago and it's like oh no what everyone says is true i have a box set dvd of the whole series that i got at a thrift store and i've never used it never watched it yet it's still maybe i'll get to it soon maybe give yourself a treat it's a real treat all six seasons are still great it's this theme of uh this infinitely reproducing cycle that just gets worse and worse mm-hmm. you know that's that's sort of like this the this cycle of decay that is the life of these people, uh, kept inbound by, by toxic tradition. You know. What about Tony? What if Tony Soprano had a podcast? And he was. What like, if Tony? So what if he had an epic leftist podcast? He's like, uh, no, it's about he reviews meat. He's like, yeah. uh, welcome. I don't even know what he sounds like. Welcome to the. Welcome to this. Welcome, Gandolfini. Yeah. James Gunn, I can't How did he die? Why did he die? He died of a heart attack. From being fat? From being fat, yeah. And Italian? Yeah, from being fat and Italian and sweaty. Uh, yeah. It's sad. He was like, what, 50? Yeah, he was something? in his... He was in his 50s. Damn. I, I want to see the many saints of Newark to see With his, his son. son. That's that's like a weird... That's been a weird trend. I guess it's only two movies, but Cooper Hawk yeah. also... In of, of larger character actor men's yeah. sons <laughs> yeah. portraying a character in a... In a well, I guess the... The guy in Licorice Pizza isn't yeah. like a spinoff character. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the the character in Licorice Pizza is actually it's actually a prequel to Synecdoche, New York. There you go. He That's plays. The... He's like, mommy, look at all I put all these Lego people in a in a play about my life. Oh my god, it's so funny how Kanye West loves Charlie Kaufman. Oh, that I, I didn't know that, but now that I've heard it, I'm not surprised. Well, because, you know, he's building a house inside a stadium. Right. <laughs> he's, he's doing his own Synec... He got divorced and did Synecdoche, New York. Right. Which is one of the funniest things to do if yeah. you get divorced. That's true. I feel like... I mean, there's a lot worse ways. I mean, he's doing pretty much the, the worst stuff for someone divorced. But at the same time, I mean... I don't know. There's wor- I don't know. There I guess building out of everything he's done building a house inside of a stadium is the least of the issues. You got to re-edit Synecdoche, New York where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is just mad at Pete Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> for ha- having yeah. sex with Katherine Keener. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, Everyone would love that. Yeah, it would be good. Woke up this Got yourself again. Um, I have an article here that I figured I wanted to read. All right. Now, before we get into this, um, we t- we were messaging some about it earlier. Star War. Star War. A War of the Stars. War of Star Guys. Film. They should, they should call it Alien War because that's what I really want to see. Right. There's a bunch of little weird guys. Well, it's a shows now. It's a movies. It's mm-hmm. a 
theme parks. Star Wars media franchise is uh, going. What do you what? How do you feel about Star Wars? I liked Star Wars when I was a kid, but uh, I was always more in the Star Trek camp. Oh, okay. Uh, so a loser. Yeah, a huge fucking virgin dork. Loser. Yeah, a huge asshole. Uh, no, but Star Wars, the original three films are great. I, I don't have a problem saying that. And uh, the prequel films are bad, but they're idiosyncratic. Mm. And the sequel films are just nothing. They're just pure nothing. Okay. That, that's, a, that's a, I feel like, a pretty... Um, I feel that's the standard Standard take. Well, yeah. I mean, unless I you're like... that is the correct opinion. Unless you're like some, you know, I feel like there's that, which is kind of like the current standard if you're just like a regular, not insane person, crazy person. And then if you're like a crazy person, you either are like super uh, anti-new uh, stuff and like you're obsessed with the prequels and obsessed with... Uh, uh, what's his name? Not George Lucas. I'm talking about Ewan McGregor. You're like those we uh, and they like have a knowledge of intricate knowledge of every side character in the Clone yeah. Wars TV show. And then there are the people who like like all of it, and they're like, oh, you you can't be mean about Star Wars. Uh, and then there are the people who are like hate Star Wars, but they like Star Wars also. It's very there's very polarized people in I like about the Star first Wars. three movies. That's I fair. I like the first three movies. That's 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 what I like and I think Star Wars was good was better when there wasn't a lot of it. That's because I feel like that's true for most shows or media. Yeah. The more there gets to be the worse it gets. I can't well, think of part of what yeah, cuz I mean with Star Wars right it's so heavily traffics in mysticism, right? That's so much a part of its it's plot it's basically white sufis you know uh, <laughs> freaking out in the desert uh-huh. and white sufi warriors you know dervishing their way to defeating the galactic empire uh and there's like i'm not gonna say that there's a radical critique but it like george lucas there, there's definitely this political ideation that comes from the idea of like uh, uh rebels against this countervailing force that feels more animated by the political issues of vietnam and the immediacy of that mm-hmm. which they tried to reproduce with the prequels with the and, iraq yeah War. they did which i feel is like the most admirable part of the prequels certainly yeah everyone likes the line you know this is how a democracy dies it's funny it's so funny they had space democracy the prequels are so fucking this, funny yeah it's it's they had a sedent a senate they had a galactic senate they had robert's rules of space yeah it's the pre okay yeah another pre- i see why there's so much revisionist love for the prequels because there's a lot to love about they're there's just very Dexter, weird Jester. yeah there's so fucking strange every decision is why the fact that those were like major like franchise releases of like a major media thing and were like a big deal even though it's just like this one guy's like weird idea about space uh sci-fi weird stuff mm-hmm. um so star wars uh big thing right now and they just made a hotel for star wars it is a supposed to emulate as if you were on a space cruise liner uh in the in star wars universe 
and the i believe i don't know what the base if this is the base or the most expensive either way the tickets are very expensive uh $5000 is what i see Why? here per oh. person to stay in the star wars hotel and it's this title this is from sf gate and it says windowless bunker first reviews of disney's $5000 star wars hotel are in and i i didn't plan this whatsoever but this is kind of Similar theme to the previous episode you were on when we talked about the windowless megadorm. Yes. The, uh, uh, that so apparently you're my go-to uh, co-host when it comes to urban, uh, you know, you know, oppressive urban, you know, architecture. <laughs> uh, yeah, I look, uh, I look forward to be uh, being on your show about that one building in New York with no windows. Oh, is there a place in New York with no windows? Yeah, but it's just a bunch of it houses a bunch of generators. Nobody oh, actually's damn. in there. Except That's... for some technicians, I suppose. Okay. Uh, so this says, ahead of its grand opening, the first reviews for Disney's eye-wateringly expensive Star Wars hotel are beginning to roll in. The Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> I feel like that's like a really lazy name. Yeah, you can you can relive Canto Bite, everybody's it's, favorite section from Star Wars. I mean, they could Galactic Star Cruiser. Like, I feel like they could they didn't even try. It's like they might as well have called it Star Wars Carnival Cruise Line Experience. Okay. Well, why Why wouldn't you like? Why wouldn't you in instead of like an urban hotel do some sort of resort and you could call it like uh a, like you were on a door. planet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, why i don't understand why this would you would you, this would be an urban thing but I right guess. and like disney has literal cruise ships and islands yeah. like they could just have made one of those islands a star wars thing and then it's like when you get to the island mm-hmm. you know or they could have themed the cruise ship and say like oh we're sailing the seas of uh, I don't fucking remember what it was called, but the 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 Rogue One planet that's like Beachland World. The, the, okay, here's the thing: if it was at a regular price, I would actually pay to stay. And I think they actually have this in like the in like in Tunisia where they shot the film, like the old Tatooine set right. that they built. I think they actually have hotels that look like that, which is sort of weird. Right? Maybe yeah. I'm making that up. That's another thing about like all the planets are like one biome. Yeah. Which is weird. It's like all of a, the whole planet is desert, or the whole planet is beach, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Anyway, the Star Wars Galactic Carnival Cruise Line at Disney World. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call it, because Galactic Star Cruiser is such a like. They couldn't think of any other like weird like made up Star Wars name of like, you know, Galactic Lux Luxor linor or something you know some uh, weird like it. space name instead of galactic star cruiser which is just very like uh, it's like of course the yeah. millennium eagle yeah oh, i don't it's know another oh it's another type of cruise ship that's shaped like a building that the makers of the millennium falcon made but this time it's shaped like a building yeah. so uh it opened its first paid guests on march 1st uh, it opens on March today, uh, but last week it hosted members of media and popular YouTube and TikTok channels for a free preview. Yeah. Uh, the hotel, which only offers a two-night stay, is billed as the ultimate immersive Star Wars experience. Guests are encouraged to dress up. Disney provides some pricey options on site. Take part in special missions and enjoy an excursion to the planet Batu, also known as the Star Wars land within Disney World's Hollywood Studios. For two adults, the starting price 
is about five thousand dollars. Okay, so it's for two. Never mind. It's it, that's a better. Oh, so that's only twenty five hundred each. That's that's fine. still a lot, but for two nights in a windowless room. Where is this? Where is this? Is it located? Disney World? So in oh, Florida. This is at Disney World. Okay. Um. So I mean, I guess I get it because Florida being outside at Florida, besides like in winter or fall, is not the best. Uh. But uh. So why wouldn't you just have Naboo? Why wouldn't you just make Naboo or something? I don't know. For three adults, one child, it's nearly six thousand dollars. Okay, what what kind of why would it why would you have three adults and one child? I feel like there's just like there are these guys that you don't think about that are like nuclear technicians in in Raleigh, North Carolina, and they make like a very healthy six figures a year, and they tuck their dress shirts into their khaki pants. And they just uh, have enough money to blow on this shit, and they're like they're like uncritical Star Wars guys, like they have a bunch of stormtrooper helmets in their man cave and shit like that. And no, I but when when would you have three adults and one child? It's uh, like oh the it's a three men uh, and a baby yeah, situation. Oh three, I was gonna say it's um, the mommy, daddy, and the third partner of the thruple as well as the child. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, go 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 play, uh, go to the Star Wars playland area while mommy and daddy and and our and special friend robert have a <laughs> secret uh mission for the rebels in our in our hotel room yeah we're gonna what are these secret missions they said adults go on missions they what are you yeah. like getting ice from the ice <laughs> yeah, no, i think there's like in like it's like a like where they're like oh you're you're a, you're our spy and you have to go talk to this in character employee so or something what? i mean i shouldn't judge people no i should judge people for this you're a total freak if you pay for this uh reviews so far are generally positive particularly <laughs> praised are the character actors who carry the experience with a few caveats because the hotel itself called the halcyon see that's a little bit better than just galactic star cruiser i guess mm. is supposed to be a luxury cruise ship in space the biggest complaint is that the rooms are small and cramped Standard rooms have a queen bed, bunk beds, and an additional pull-out sleep space, which means it's theoretically able to sleep five adults. But most reviews agreed it would feel too tight, even with three people, especially considering the bathroom has only a single sink. Like other luxury hotels, there are no typical amenities like a pool or spa. Really? There's not even a pool? I, th I figured there would be a pool, maybe. Yeah, they, they have those tubes that Luke was healed in. And yeah, you can go in the back to tank. And they give you a they give you the the, the mouthpiece of a of a, a scuba thing, yeah, <laughs> so you can just you float. Have to be in a horrible car accident, right? Yeah, Mark Hamill. Uh, the Halcyon the Halcyon's interior scale just doesn't match up to the grand ship shown in marketing materials. I expect the atrium to be taller, the banquet hall to be wider. Polygons. Charlie Hall wrote. Liminal spaces like hallways and stairwells feel particularly sterile, like wandering around a suburban junior high school built in the 1970s. Liminal spaces, man, that phrase has entered into that the is a, public lexicon. That is a zeitgeist phrase right now. All the kids, you know, there's Instagram accounts where it's just like empty conference rooms and they're like, whoa, liminal space. Yeah, but I get that. There was always like, did you ever play that video game, The Stanley Parable? Yeah, that's like a liminal kind of yeah. thing. It's just like There's weird, like to that feeling. weird manufactured sort of suburban, urban, uh, you know, decay sort of a thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it feels like in Kingdom Hearts. I've been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts lately, yeah. and it's like how the towns are ghostly and empty. You know, mm. there's some there's some sort of uh, uncanny quality to it. Mm. But yeah, it's a it's it's articulated a feeling that people have in a in a good succinct two two word phrase. Yeah, so, that's true. Liminal spaces. Uh, this says for some, the lack of windows may add to the sense of claustrophobia. Hotel rooms have a d- digital display showing outer space and no view of the real outside world. Folks needing some fresh air, however, can visit an outdoor communal space called a climate simulator. <laughs> Reporters, okay. oh, listen, reporters from the YouTube channel Disney Food Blog, which has nearly 800,000 subscribers. Amazing. Uh, you know, there's some wonderfully uh, deranged Disney adults running that, I'm sure. Uh, were invited to the media preview. In the review of the hotel, they put it thusly, Disney went all in on an experience that seemingly puts only the wealthiest guests inside a windowless bunker for two full days. Uh, so maybe they're not too Disney obsessed or, or loyal. Uh, but most reviewers agreed that guests will be spending minimal time in their room anyway. The two days are packed with lightsaber training, clandestine rendezvous, uh. elaborate entertainment, and exploration of the ship. Guests need to download an app for their smartphone to chat with characters on board, receive their missions, and learn their storylines. This was the other major drawback. If you're an introvert, I kicked my box next to me. If you're an introvert, this may be the wrong trip for you. So it's like it's like a dinner theater over two days. That's yeah. the 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 desire to play act, but make it reality. So I, I get play acting if it's for like the service of an art form mm-hmm. like theater or uh i guess you know but you this is just this for like, like this is interactive theater you know this is like tony and tina's wedding but it's star wars but it's also very much just like a corporate experience you know like brand experience uh rather than just like a purely artistic like you know interactive immersive ex- theater experience See, this is the exact type of attitude that prevented the eternals from getting nominated <laughs> for best picture well that still might get the popular vote uh <laughs> just, though i am voting i i i'm strongly voting because apparently it's in like it's in it's in uh consider or it's in uh competition it's in like the top 10 uh malignant so I, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm throwing my late great. behind wacky ass malignant Malignant uh, fucking rules. I love James Wan. He's got a he's, he's got a great filmography. He seems like a, a cool, fun guy. He seems like a, a guy who enjoys a nice, fun film and certainly made one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the number one thing that will make this experience worth it to you or not is how much you're going to immerse yourself in the story. You have to suspend reality. All ears reported reporter molly mccormack said in her review you have to buy into all these things happening around you for it to be a meaningful and impactful brand experience you you really have to believe in the in the brand and in the product to uh, have a good time uh, it's like how 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 much of a nerd and a loser as an adult do you want to be uh yeah, I, I feel like you should have to have a... This should be like a Chuck E. Cheese type situation where you have to have a child to be able to go to this. It's going to cost me $5,000, but I'm going to play an awesome prank on my schizophrenic friend. <laughs> You're going to convince him it's real. <laughs> yeah, he's going he's gonna to shoot three people. Right. 
He thinks he thinks he's an actual rebel, and that the Glock he snuggled in with him in his pants is actually a space laser gun. It's all real. That's that's exactly what schizophrenia is like. That's that's what they don't show you in Silver Linings Blake. Mm. Uh, yeah, the literally says many reviewers compared the experience to living inside a two-day-long dinner theater show or escape room. Uh, hey, I can't. I don't like that. People love that energy, though. There's like uh, people that really love that. Well, there were already those people uh, who like go to Disney parks and like apparent apparently as an adult you can't like be like expressly like dressed up. You're not allowed to be in like a costume if you're not like an employee. But there are those Disney adults who like go to parks and they like basically have like normal clothes, but they design them to be like you know basically the same outfit as like a disney character but it's like yeah the color scheme but it were like the modern version of like and it's like i don't know are they doing their disney drip yeah that's so i once saw an official disney merchandise the most bizarre piece of disney merchandise i ever saw was it was it was the joy division unknown pleasures cover but it was the mickey mouse ears oh my and it was just very strange to me what do you think uh Ian Curtis would think about that. I I think he saw the writing on the wall. He had like a vision of his future. <laughs> and he said, I'm actually. out. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's uh, it. I'm, I'm it's watching. What a way to go out. Strozek and the idiot. Fantastic. How? Fantastic suicide cocktail. I didn't know. That. What did he do? Uh, it is. It has been reported that he watched Werner Herzog's Strozik uh-huh. and listened to Iggy Pop's The Idiot. Oh, really? And that was the final media hmm. that he imbibed before killing himself. I didn't know that. That's very interesting. It is referenced in the wonderful movie Twenty Four Hour Party People, which I love very much. What is that movie about? It's a movie by Michael Winterbottom. It's about uh, Tony Wilson, played by Steve Coogan. Uh-huh. And it's about the rise of factory records in Manchester. Hmm. And it starts off with Joy Division. Andy Serkis is in it. He plays Mar- Martin Hannett, mm-hmm. the uh, the famed difficult producer, but also brilliant producer of Joy Division. And then it moves on to the eight, late 80s and 90s with Rave Culture and the Happy Mondays. Hmm. And it's a very fun, surreal, self, uh, self-referential, very meta. There's a lot of breaking of the fourth wall. Uh, but it's, I, I think it's a good show. I think Michael Winterbottom's movies are, they, they, I like them a lot. I like Tristram Shandy. I like the skin I'm in. The skin I live in, which I forget what it's called. Well, I'll have to check that out potentially. Anyway, uh, how soon into you think there's like, uh, like corporate, like brand themed or like, you know, media IP themed, uh, like suicide experiences where it's like, you know to if you like you know it's like a, it, the world's like gets to a point where they do like the soylent green thing where you can like just go to like a center to like choose to be you know euthanized but like it, instead of just like the thing they have in that movie where like you get to like experience like you know beauty and 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 happiness since the world is a piece of shit instead of that it's like brand it's like star wars you know experience where like you get to you get to be euthanized while like pretending to fight in like a rebel battle and like you're (laughs) you're 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 killed via you're killed via like um you know you in in the in the experience you you're shot yeah. and you 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 fade from life as like you know you're surrounded by like you know your rebel alliance who are like 
you did it. We, we, we've saved the day all because of your sacrifice. Yeah. And, you, and you lay there and as you fade away and then it's like, you know, the lights turn on and they like, you know, chuck your body down the chute and the actors reset for the next <laughs> person to come in. Hey, you know, it's, it's like being a psychopomp. You're guiding people into the underworld mm-hmm. to the best way. I'm sure. Uh, where do you Where do you stand on assisted suicide? Uh, uh, f- I just like above this article about the Star Wars hotel. One of the articles linked on this website is "Father kills four, including his three daughters at Sacramento sure. Church." I heard about that. How awful! I didn't hear about that. That's sad though. Yeah, it's really and it's sad. like I feel like if your website's reporting on a Star Wars hotel, you shouldn't have. A, I feel like there should be some separation, where it's like you know that that news article isn't being suggested at the top of this Star he Wars article. He killed his family because he felt like a failure for not being able to afford the Star Wars hotel. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill my family and then myself because I could not afford the Rebel Alliance mission experience where uh, we have to make contact with our secret agent uh gublon the glarzarian uh, in I think the... that was actually a serial yeah there's a serial killer called john list where that's basically his story because he couldn't go to disney world or something well just because he couldn't financially provide for his family oh, he okay. killed them all instead damn just because he couldn't deal that's with cold. that shame that's cold mm-hmm. would you ever kill your family if you couldn't financially provide for them uh, I would kill my family if otherwise I'd have to suck my dog's penis. You would, you would kill your own family over sucking your dog's penis? Yeah, it's just gross. I don't want to do that. I'd rather kill my own. It's less gross to me to kill somebody. Sounds like you're just, uh, you're just really intensely, um, what's the word? You're like really, you're really intensely trying to sell me on you not wanting to suck your dog's oh, penis. Oh, you're saying like the lady doth protest yeah, too much. Yeah, I, I think that know? you really do want to suck it and you're just like doing, you're doing the like, you know, homophobic person who's secretly gay trope, but about your dog's right, penis. Yes. That's, that's exactly the, that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, I'm going to all the dog penis bars at night. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that interesting article about a Star Wars hotel. That's apparently People a love windowless, windowless rooms. Americans love windowless rooms. You know, time I, and again. I don't think anyone else should have to be suggest, suggested to it unless they purposely want it. But honestly, I feel like I wouldn't mind having to live in a windowless room. I don't like the outside or light that much, I feel like. I go out mo- mainly at night unless, you know, when I'm not, like, having a job or something. You're doing your whole near-dark thing. Yeah, I guess so. It's just because, like, it's, like, less hot at night, too, and it's, like it's bright and that's annoying i do like having a window because i can open it and it helps cool off the room yeah ventilation is good but yeah i I have a lot of light and you're right i i went from an apartment with no light to an apartment with a shit ton of light and you know i wake up every morning feeling like feeling like a vampire in church yeah hissing at the sun and uh, uh cursing it well and i'm someone i don't really like well, my I have an issue with windows where like I always have if I you know anywhere I am you know that has a window in my room or something if you know wherever I'm living if I'm living by myself where like I always have all of the like curtains drawn and blinds closed like I don't like I don't like the fishbowl feeling of like having a window being like see through where someone can just like be looking through at you especially at like night when you can't see outside 
you know, because it's dark and but someone could be looking in at you. Yeah. I, and I know between that statement of paranoia and last week's episode on uh, uh, Ted Kaczynski and me yeah. having ri- me writing a letter to him, I know that it's probably very suspect sounding that I'm like some sort of paranoid, uh, crazy person. But I feel like besides that, I'm I'm not very paranoid. But I don't like the feeling of people being able to look in on my private space. Yeah, that's a that's a reasonable. It was. I lived in a basement apartment, and that was a real concern because it was very easy to see. But now I'm on. Now I'm on a uh, high enough floor of an apartment where that's not a concern for me. Did you have those little like windows that are like at ground level for outside, yeah. but then it's oh like at the God. top of your room for for the basement? Yeah. Hmm. And you can you can just make eye contact with everybody on the street. Well, that's why you have a a blind or a curtain on it. Exactly. I, I, I've never lived in a basement, but I feel like I would like, I like basements. I like being in a dark, deep place. It does. Something. Makes me you feel safe. Squirrely. You get a little squirrely in a basement apartment. Even, even the hardiest among us, even, even the burrowers hmm. among us. Well, I'm on the second floor right now. So, uh, you know, See, that's no good. You're on the, eye. I get, I get wanting to close your windows because it's very easy eye line. Well, not too bad, but it's certainly you know you could see in if you if I had it open. Mm-hmm. Um, if this Star Wars, what would be the minimum price for you to go to the uh, the maximum price for you to go to the Star Wars hotel? I don't know. It would have to be like cheaper than like the regular <laughs> Disney park. Cheaper than Motel Eight. Yeah, no, it would have to be cheaper than the like actual like normal Disney parks because like at this point like I'd much prefer going to like you know just going to Disney World and going to the parks you know and just staying. You've been at... to Disney World, right? It, I the last time I went was eighth grade, so that would have been about. It's been over ten years since I've been, and I you know it's obviously haven't been since they did the Star Wars land and everything. Did you stay in a hotel, a Disney hotel, or just an Orlando hotel? No, just like a because this one, this one we went to, we went in eighth grade. It was like the big eighth grade trip is like the whole like eighth grade went to Disney World. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was just like a holiday. And the time before that, when I was in like fifth grade, was the last time I went with my family, and we that time we stayed in a hotel. Um, which, you know, an official Disney branded hotel that was like, you know, even younger. So it's still, you know, it's not very clear in the memory, but yeah, so it's, it's been a while. I would like to go, uh, you know, now that I'm in LA, I would like to go to Disneyland since I've never been to Disneyland. Uh, but you know, I know we've talked about, you know, shit on the uh, corporate themed experience, but I mean, you know, as someone who does like stars, I, I, and you know, I appreciate theme park, like design and you know all the work that we goes into it right and so you know i do want to you know go to the star wars uh place at some point if for nothing else than to try blue milk just to be able to Ooh. see how they did that because to i guess it's like a smoothie sort of or like a mil- it's like a fruity milkshake i think sort of a thing the star uh, wars experience that i would most want is just like watching a guy make a latex puppet for three hours that would be like great too like, like the you know the like I mean? ilm like experience where yeah, you could you just go how, like, and they take you on a school trip to see like a glass blower or something like yeah that. that but for like you know creature yeah. effects yeah that would be great yeah. i i want to part of the reason i want to go to the star wars land in disney is because they have like a one of the stores in it is like a like you know creature shop thing where they sell like different like 
Star Wars creatures. And I know one of them that you can get is the like uh, rat monkey or whatever it's called. The Salacious Crumb is. Salacious Crumb. And and it's literally they have it so like you know and it's not like a plush. It's like actually like you know sculpted and stuff. And you can the like real puppet and there's heft to right it. and there's like a magnet so you can like sit it on your shoulder by putting like and then and then there's like a little control thing you can hold in your hand that you can like turn its head and make it talk with. And How I, much does that cost? It's probably like $100 or something, you know, because it's Disney and it's like a fairly, you know, complex thing. But like, I don't know. I feel like that would be worth it because that would be really cool to have a salacious crumb puppet. Yeah. Everyone likes puppets. I love puppets. Yeah. They're, they're so much more expressive than actors. Since switching topics completely, uh, you're Jewish. I'm Jewish, yeah. Talk about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, okay. <laughs> you don't have no. I just wanted to do uh, that bit. Here's the thing. I uh, wanted to cut to, to a break music, right? <laughs> just like talk about yeah. that. It's very funny. Cut to Hava Nagila. Cut to And I'm not really Jewish. I did. I was never bar mitzvahed, but matrilineal. Ethnically. Ethnically. I'm 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 Jewish. I I have to go to my uncle Linty's uh, terrible seder's every so often. So oh. that's enough. That's enough for me. I I growing up like uh, with like a pastor for a parent at a somewhat you know kind of like progressive and like you know church that like you know focused on like world mission and stuff. One one year for during like the Lenten Easter season, we did like on like. Uh, you know, like the Thursday, Monday, Thursday or whatever, we did like a, a Seder meal or it like to like, you know, where you like oh, have to Christian Seder. You did Christian. Seder. I get, I mean, I don't know how accurate it was, but like, you know, we did all like the little steps where it's like, okay, now you have to lick the vinegar or whatever. Vinegar, I don't remember. The egg, it sucked. Know. It was did like, you say Dianu? did you at least sing Dianu? I don't remember. I just remember it was like, I, I was like, oh, it's like a feast, and it's like, no, it's like there's like a cracker and some vinegar on a plate, and you have to like toss the cracker over your shoulder and lick the vinegar, and yeah, yeah. it's like it this is the tears, right? It's all Passover, it's all symbolic Egypt logic. stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was a that was a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, why weren't you bar mitzvahed? I just didn't want it. You didn't want to get your dick I cut off. I, okay, so I had. Um, I had a psychotic cousin who was tutoring me Hebrew. Really turned me off to the <laughs> oh, whole thing. Oh boy! He joined the army, and you know he, the normal he, army or the Israel army. He, he joined. He joined the Canadian army. Oh right, you're Canadian. You're Canadian. Me. That's right. Yeah, I'm a Canadian Jew. So I'm just. I'm exactly like uh, what's that guy's name? Mordecai Richler. I have no idea who that is. Exactly like Jay Baruchel. I know ah, that. Look at me, I'm Jay Baruchel. I know I, that one. I say a lot of weird stuff. I'm a Canadian Jew. I say Jewish stuff. He's the voice of the guy in How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. And he's and, also uh, in. Uh, have you seen the movie he's in where he plays a teenager who's obsessed with Trotsky? Yeah, I think it's called the Trotsky. It is. 
Uh, that's a yeah, that's pure CanCon right there. That's it's very, Canadian it's a nice little movie. I yeah. didn't, you know, it was cute. It feels very of its time. It feels very like post Napoleon Dynasty. Right. It's very like of, you know, like late twenty, you know, like late two thousands, early twenty ten, sort of like twee, yeah. uh, indie comedy. That is but nice. It's funny. It's got some funny moments. Right. It's not. It's not. It's not bad. You know, I don't hate Napoleon Dynamite either. Yeah, I haven't Never seen it. Never saw any of that guy's. Other I think I've. I, I think I saw Napoleon Dynamite like one time in like middle school, and I was like, I don't get why this is a popular thing, because <laughs> I was just like a kid, and I was like, you know, I was like five to ten years behind that like zeitgeist of like you know people being like, oh, it's like the coolest, funniest movie, and then I watched it, and it's like you know, it's very like awkward comedy, like it's not like outright a comedy, it's more like a weird yeah. like character study thing. I'm sure I would have missed you. You would have been like five when that came out. Right. And instead I was watching it and I was like 12 and I was like, I don't get this at all. Like, what is yeah, this? this is I feel like I'd like it a lot more now being that I like weird, like idiosyncratic movies and I, characters. Wh- and stuff. Who's, what would be the Napoleon dynamite of, of your generation? Like the Napoleon dynamite. I mean, that... I can squarely say, I don't know if for, you can say my generation as a whole, but I'll say like for, for people my age, I feel like I might be a little too young as well for this, but I feel like it still fits pretty accurate. Scott Pilgrim was like a big thing for really like for like nerdy like people my age, like you know yeah. dorks like me, and you know yeah, you know if you were eleven or twelve years old saw that right because see it being the coolest thing that came out well like and not even like you know obviously it bombed at the box office because and it's like not even necessarily when it came out but like from like 2010 to like you know 2015 if you were like you know like me and like in middle school and then into high school that movie was just like the funniest like great and it's like a good movie you know i yeah so, Edgar i, I went and saw movie. like i went and saw it in a theater last year when it got like re-released for i don't even i guess 10 year anniversary or something uh and you know i enjoyed it i still really enjoyed it and it's a good movie but like there was some weird like you know it just tapped into like that like you know dorky like nerd thing and then also it's like you know like you know it's like before you like start giving like an actual like reading of it that's like you know analyzing the you know sort of weird the weird sex pervert stuff right and like how you know as flawed a character as the main character is it's like yeah but you're not supposed to empathize it he's supposed right first book is called scott pilgrim's precious little life it's about a guy who sucks but when you're when you're an eight you know 13 year old eighth grader you know little fat kid who who's horny and lonely you read that and he's like oh my god this is like the coolest guy ever and he gets a girlfriend and it's a comic and it's so cool what i i mean what i liked about scott pilgrim uh is it depicted gay people who were like me you Mm -hmm. know straight passing gay people we oh, don't okay. straight passing gay people don't get enough representation and i'm tired i'm sick of it i don't know if <laughs> it, could you really say if 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 is wallace really straight passing he's pretty no, uh, you're talking about stills. steven stills in the end is oh that's right yeah. see i haven't read the comics all the way through since like i read comics are good you know what you can say whatever you want about no i i've the, the i own culture of it i own the like first two of the of the um first two or three of the of the comics but i haven't read like the last ones and all the way through since like maybe i read it that first time when i was like 
a freshman in high school or eighth grade or something. So yeah. I don't remember. I didn't remember that because obviously that's that not in the movie, at least not explicitly. Yeah. I mean, I, I as an illustrator, Brian Lee O'Malley, much respect. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a he's yeah. His designs guy. are great. I haven't read. I I haven't read his uh, that one he made after. Seconds. Yeah, that's it's about good. it's about like mushrooms. Yeah. I'm sure, but I'm sure you can relate to all that too, because you're from Toronto. So uh, yeah, well, it's that's it's very funny the idea of magical Toronto. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think what is the reputation of Toronto in the international world? I guess Drake mostly defines it now. Drake and The Weeknd have really. I guess. Well, to created... me, to me, like I was just saying, with that movie being as big of a thing, I know for a lot of people it was like. You know, that was their main introduction to Toronto was Scott Pilgrim, where they was like, oh, man, that seems like a pretty cool, like, town, because it's, like, all this, like, cool indie stuff, and, like... Yes, there's, there's this a, overwhelmingly like a castle. neutral quality to Toronto that it's, like, you, you know, you can... When you think of uh, New York, it's like, hey, I'm from New York. When you think of L.A., it's like, well, I'm from L.A. Right. When you think of Toronto, it's like, hi, I'm from Toronto. It's, like, it's like not even... It's, like, not fully, like, Canadian... It's yeah. not like hardcore Canada, you know, and it's like, but it's also like different enough. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a city they built specifically to be to play other movies, to play other cities and movies. Right. Well, that in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then for me, also Toronto being me being a big fan of like um, Matt Johnson and Nirvana the band. Oh yeah, you're a big Nirvana the band. So I, I know to, uh, stuff from Toronto. You're, you know, I, I've, I'm like not obsessed, but like very interested in Toronto from like, you know, all the like locations from, you know, that show and stuff. It's a fun city. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always but... been like a d- place where I've really wanted to visit. I just never have been able to. It's so good. Far. I will retro. I think it's a great city, but it is, there's this, um, there's this uh, inherent blandness that I feel Scott Pilgrim tries to. Uh, w- w- I'm trying to think of something that really, you know, the movie that best captures Toronto is uh, Denis Villeneuve's Enemy. Oh, re- okay. Yeah, because that's about Toronto, and it it's shot a lot on the York University campus. Mm-hmm. W- and it, what it gets right about Toronto is the horrible, ar- brutalist architecture. <laughs> And I don't think brutalism is not bad in and of itself. There's a lot of great brutalist buildings. Toronto did not get the good brutalist buildings. We got the bad ones. Okay. And that's what makes it a very funny place to live because you're always in, if you're in an urban area or a lot of the school areas, uh, it's just the worst looking building. <laughs> Giant seen. concrete. Yeah. Angular like thing. Downtown Buffalo. And it's these like it's a bombed out city but they have these beautiful art deco buildings Mm -hmm. in the downtown area go to new york and every building has like majestic scroll work on it you go to chicago the same thing you go to detroit the same thing toronto just nothing there's nothing Mm. it's 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 made of lego you know yeah Uh, what's the adage i heard stephen fry (laughs) once describe it as new york if it were designed by the swiss <laughs> that's very interesting yeah. uh well maybe one day i'll be able to get to toronto and i can come <laughs> and suck your dog's penis there you go um well i think i'll call it that low-key episode which is okay after last week where i basically just had where i basically just um recounted uh industrial society and its future and anti-tech revolution to austin 
uh, and then read him my letter. So I'm okay with just that we we riffed and, and had a nice conversation. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to have listen, an apocalyptic episode every. Listen, last week only as of now, like seven people listened to last week, and you know maybe not many people will listen to this one either. But it 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 facilitated me having a conversation between you, and I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, enjoyed the conversation, and so it's a worthwhile episode in my book because of that. Hell yeah. And so, once again, thank you for coming on the show, and of course, everyone again, uh, go follow Alex at House of Decline, house spelled like German way. Yeah. So, uh, Although on... we bought the doma- domain name for the English way, so... Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Well, but for now, go to Twitter, House of Decline... And check out his little penis, guys. Check out my penis, guys. And until next time, uh, Alex, would you suck your dog's penis? No, kill, I'd kill, I'd kill a thousand men. I'd kill ten thousand men. I'd kill, I'd kill myself and ten thousand men. I would walk five, five hundred, five thousand miles. I would walk five, I would suck five thousand dog penises. I would suck five thousand cat penises. Before you sucked your dog's Uh. penis. Yeah, because I have no emotional, I have no emotional connection to cats, so it would, okay. be, it would be easy for me. Well, you heard it here first, folks. I would suck a cat's face. Yeah. <laughs>